0: Forth. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 9 this morning and we're uh, just going to tie a message onto what we ministered last week on who do you say I am with Jesus for our resurrection message and how many are glad that Jesus is risen from the dead. And, uh, and I thank God that God brings breakthroughs in our life when we press in, when we worship God, when we enter into His presence. He brings great breakthrough into our life. But the other thing that God does is He gives us breakthroughs through the principle of His Word. When we hear the Word and we live by the Word, we walk in the breakthroughs or the victories that God's Word produces in our lives as well. Amen? And so he gives us that two-pronged attack that we have against the devil. We worship God, and we speak and declare the word and live the word. Amen? And so this morning I want to talk to you about being blessed, broken, and given. I said in first service I was going in a different direction on my own, and then the Lord really reigned this in and told me to minister on this this morning. And uh, so we're going to just introduce this to you. We're going to cover it in in a couple services. But this area of living by being blessed, broken, and given. Luke chapter 9 and beginning in verse 12, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For where, for there were about 5,000 men, and he said to the disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them sit down. And he took, then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to where? Where? Heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples and set them before the multitude so that they all ate and were filled. And 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up. Father, I thank you in these next few moments that you will come by your Holy Spirit and move in our hearts and in our lives. Holy Spirit, we need you to be our teacher, our instructor. Our We need you to bring the revelation of truth to our eyes and to our hearts that we might receive and walk in it. So we thank you today for your work in our lives. We give you your place in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Go with me also, if you would, to Mark chapter 6. And uh, let's read this account in a little different light. In Mark chapter 6 and beginning in verse 32, I'll begin while you're turning there. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves, but the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together together. Now, I've been across the Sea of Galilee, and you can kind of see the border in in that northern region where they were. It'd be kind of trippy while you're sailing across to watch a crowd kind of running towards you or going. But here these people are following him and coming after him. And look what happened, verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with what? compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. And already the hour is late. Send them away. Wow. Can you feel the love? Send them away. And that they may go into the surrounding country and take care of themselves. Think about that and villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Then Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth, 200 days worth of wages to buy bread, to give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish and he commanded them to make them sit down in groups on the green grass so they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish he looked up to where yeah. to heaven he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set them before them and the and the two fish he divided among them all so they all ate and were all what filled man a miracle now, those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men plus the women and the children. So it's always called the feeding of the 5,000, but there's probably more than 10, maybe 12,000 people there, plus Jesus' entourage that was with him. A lot of people ate off that little amount. Praise the Lord. Look at the cover of your outline. God's plan for our life is for his, and for his church is one that brings his divine order and purpose to our lives. The life of Christ is an illustration to humanity of how to live to purpose. His resurrection power enables us to live it out. So last Sunday we celebrated resurrection. How many are glad that He is risen? Amen? Amen? Come on, he conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. And we have that promise that his power is also available to us. Paul said, I want to know him, and I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Not just know about God, but I really want to know and how to live in resurrection power. The life-giving power of Jesus Christ. And so we need to understand that peace always flows from purpose. Come on, if you don't have any clear direction about purpose and what you're doing, you're just not at peace. You're wandering, you're grabbing, you're trying. Uh, Statistics say that people change uh, their career somewhere between five to seven times over the year before they finally settle down or do different things. Many people have several careers, just always trying to find out where I fit, but, you know, as a whole, not everybody, but a lot of people, they go through that, never able really to find that place, never really able to be content at where they're working or what they're doing because they don't have an inward sense of purpose with God and so leaving Resurrection Sunday and pressing forward how do we live in this power and how do we hold on to the purpose that God has for our life watch this little clip before we go further
1: last Sunday was a party last Sunday was a celebration last Sunday we joined together and witnessed the most important event in human history the resurrection of Jesus, the conquering of the grave, the redemption of creation. But what happens this week is no less amazing. Jesus didn't just rise and ascend. He didn't just come back for the celebration. He came back with a message. He came back with marching orders He came back to say, Now it's your turn. I have done my part in bringing the kingdom. But just as God sent me, now I am sending you. So go. Everywhere. Make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them. Life will still be tough may be tougher, but know that through all of this, the trials and the joy, the tears and the laughter, I am with you, always to the very end.
0: Amen. How many believe that? So Jesus didn't die just for us to have a celebration, but he died that this would continue on <coughs> Excuse me, and we would be the carriers of it. Amen? Look back at the cover of your outline. There's a threefold cord that flows through everything that is complete. You need to understand that. There is the number three is the number of divine perfection. In our lives, that cord is seen in being blessed by being received, broken by being defined to purpose, and given by being sent to meet a need. The pattern is is what he lived before. How many know Jesus lived that way? He knew that he was received by his Father. He was blessed. He knew that he was blessed. And then he lived his life broken, not living for his own will, but for the Father's will. His life was divine by God's purpose, not his own purpose. Are you with me? And then He lived His life being given for us. He came to lay His life down for us. He came to serve us. And so we are thankful that He illustrated this to us. Now, maybe in your outline you could write this down. I want you to write down these three words. Because we're going to talk just for a moment about the number three and its significance in Scripture and and what it shows to us. But write these three words down. Principle, pattern, and promise. Principle, pattern, and promise is another three that God gives us. Because God always reveals his will by a principle, it always follows a pattern, and it always produces a promise. And when I live according to the principle of God's word, when I follow the pattern that he set forth for us to live by, then I receive the promise that he has declared. It's just as simple as that. Now, it's simple to declare, but it's a little harder to live. Amen. Great great thing about truth, it's easy to declare the truth. It's another thing to live the truth. Could you say amen? And so with that, so watch this. When we live in the flow of understanding this principle, we will find the fulfillment in life that we are looking for. And the principle we're going to talk about here is a threefold principle, being blessed, being broken, and being given, following Jesus' example. See, there are three core principles connected to the gospel. The gospel is for evangelism, it's for discipleship, and it's for ministry. The gospel comes to our life, and through we're hearing the gospel, evangelism takes place. People receive the Lord, and then we're taught and instructed in the truth of God's word and the teachings of our Lord. We're discipled that way, and then ministry is going out to what we just watched a video on to tell somebody else about the truth that we have received in our life. And so that's a threefold purpose and and promise to the gospel. Now think about it. We've defined those three areas in the mission statement of our church as reach, raise, and release. Or in other words, to reach people with the gospel of Christ is evangelism. To raise them with the truth of God's word is our discipleship. And to release them to fulfill their purpose in Christ is ministry. You see, the threefold purpose of the gospel of evangelism, discipleship, and ministry can only be accomplished by living out the threefold principle of being blessed, being broken, and being given. So when Jesus was feeding the multitudes, he was doing more than just proving that he could multiply fish and bread. He was doing more than just showing off his power. Jesus did not have an ego problem. Jesus did not need anybody's acceptance, anybody's approval to know who he was. He never did an act of power in a prideful spirit. He never performed a miracle to be seen or to be recognized. Many times when he would heal people, he'd say, hey, don't tell anybody. He, he did most to be unrecognized. It, don't, tell, don't let this be known. But he did it when he would feed the multitudes like that, when he would do different things. He's trying to show his disciples who he's not going to be with forever the truth and the principles of the kingdom that he is turning the keys over to. How I many know he said, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. And I'm going to build my church, but I'm going to do it through you. So you're going to have to know how to live by the principles of the of the kingdom. Hallelujah. And so think about it. The threefold principle of increase is what we want to look at this morning. See, you and I must understand first that the only reason that God has principles for giving in his word is not to get anything from us. Tell me, no, God doesn't need anything you have. The earth is the Lord in the fullness thereof. Everything in this world belongs to him. Amen. Everything. God made it all is for him. He owns it all. And and, and so he doesn't need anything from us. The reality is he's trying to get everything to us. And there's a principle on how that works, and that's found in part of this. And so he's not to get anything from us, but rather to get to us everything he has planned and prepared for it. But we must understand that in the Word of God, three is the number of completion and divine perfection. It's fun sometimes to do number studies like that. It's, it's really interesting. There's a lot of different ways to study the Bible in different areas you can look at and unlock different truth. Number study is a good way, but three is an intriguing number in the Bible. It's a foundational number, but three is the number of completion and divine perfection. Let's look at this little definition here. Three stands for that which is solid, real, and substantial, complete, and entire. Or three, again, is the number of completion. Everything that is complete is stamped with this number. God's attributes are three. He is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. Amen? He has three attributes. Amen. So think about that. Uh, uh, And uh, there there are three divisions in time. Thought, word, and deed. Complete the sum of human capacity. Capability, the simplest proposition, requires three things to complete it. Subject, predicate, and copula. Three kingdoms embrace our ideas of matter, mineral, vegetable, and animal. Three is the first of four perfect number. Three denotes divine perfection. Seven denotes spiritual perfection. Ten denotes ordinal perfection. That's why there's ten commandments, not nine or eleven or fourteen Amen. Ten is perfect when it comes to ordinance. Twelve denotes governmental perfection. Three is the number associated with the Godhead, completing the fullness of the Godhead. The word fullness is used mostly in connection with the Godhead. And you can look it up in scriptures there uh, about talking about the fullness of God. This is why the seraphim cry, holy, holy, holy. One for each person of the Trinity. In heaven right now, they're a created being. And what they're doing in heaven, John saw them and showed us in the book of Revelation, that they're before the throne, always declaring holy, 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 or the divine perfection and completeness of God. Man is threefold. You are a threefold person. You are spirit, soul, and body. Man has three great enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Temptation comes on three levels. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. There's a threefold key to being lost or being saved it is your identity, your value, and your direction. Can you say amen? In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 13 is the first mention of the number 3. And it comes on the third day when the earth is brought forth out of the sea. And, And the earth is brought forth. And then God begins to declare that the earth is brought forth for the purpose of receiving seed and bringing forth increase. That the seeds, and so the fruit-bearing tree, and so the purpose of the earth is for seed to be sown and harvest or increase to come out of it. Think about it. This was the day, the third day, was the day on which the earth was raised out of the water, symbolic of the resurrection life that we have in Christ. How many know when you and I are water baptized, when somebody accepts Christ and, and they're water baptized, they're raised up out of the water in newness of life? Amen? Amen? So it's symbolic of the resurrection life that we have in Christ. In whom also we can only, we can worship and serve and do any good works. Everything in Christ. Think about this. It was the third day that Jesus was resurrected. It was the third hour that he was crucified. It was for three hours that he was surrounded with darkness while hanging on the cross. Three is a significant number. So there's a significant, and I've found this over my years of study, anytime I find the threes in Scripture, I pay really close attention. Because God does everything according to a principle based upon a pattern that releases the promise. Are you with me this morning? So important. That's why when I found it in the area and the Spirit of God spoke to me back in 2013 on on the, the truth on identity, value, and direction. That those three areas there are what define how man gets lost and how man gets saved. And you see it interwoven all the way through uh society and through humanity today think about it because we're formed from the dust of the earth we are fashioned out of the same third day completion three is the number on completion and so on the third day on the day of completion the earth was brought forth and then we read in chapter 26 that god formed man out of what what are you formed out of the dust of the earth. You're made from dirt. That's what I said in first service. People trying to preserve their body, do everything else. I don't care what you suck out of it, what you put into it. If we put you in the ground long enough, honey, you're going to turn into dirt. People say, I don't want to be cremated. We leave you in the ground no matter how airtight, how sealed, long enough, you're going to turn back into dust. Amen. God made you out of dust, and he can make you again out of it. People are worried about a resurrected body. Well, if I'm cremated, how can he do that? Well, if you are buried long enough, you're going to look like you're cremated. You're going to be dust anyway. Besides that, I don't want this body remade. I want my glorified body. Amen. If he could make this out of dust, he could do better with the glorified application. Somebody ought to shout Amen. So think about it. But we're formed out of that third day completion, which means that like the earth, we're created to receive the seed of God's worth and bring forth the harvest of inquiry. The earth. I'm preparing my garden. David brought me over some nutrients and some fertilizer and stuff. He said, man, if you put this stuff in the ground, your plants will produce. I said, I'm into producing. Amen. My friend Ray Wilson was, was talking about it. the other day, it was Earth Day, and, and so he said, uh, uh, Ray Jean said, Hey, go, go out and make a demand on the earth. I said, I am. I'm demanding a salad out of my garden. <laughs> Amen. And so you might, yeah, yeah. amen. So what's it? But, but see, we're, we're made, and so you and I are made out of this dirt, but all of the scripture, you know, First Peter says, you are born again by an incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. You get born again by receiving the truth of God's seed planted in the womb of your spirit, and it brings forth the harvest of the life of God. And so you're created to receive seed and bring forth the harvest. That's the principle of God in your life. Now, watch this. This is why the parable of the sower is so important. Listen to what Jesus said. He said that, that you, if you don't, he said to his disciples, they came to him afterwards, he says, Hey guys, if you don't understand this, you won't understand any of the other parables. But the ground is the heart of a man. The ground is the condition of the soil of your heart. If it is wayside ground, it is just hard, and seed can't even get in there. You've just hardened your heart against God. There is no soil there at all, and so the seed just lays on the top of the ground. And when you hear the word that, that could heal you, could deliver you and save you, it just lays on that ground. And before you get out the door, the devil flies down and snatches that word. And then there's other conditions of my heart that says it's just shallow ground and I have no depth to my life and, and I like being shallow. I don't want to put too much effort into this. Amen. And so there's no depth there. So I received the word, but then immediately when it gets a little hard to live for God, when persecution and affliction come, then immediately it burns up the word and, the, and, and, and that harvest withers and it dies. Amen. But that's my heart. It's not the enemy, that, that's my heart, it's my dirt that's creating the problem. And then he says there's other ground that has received the word, but listen to what happened. Three things enter in. <clears throat> Three things enter in and choke the word. The lust of the eye, the deceitfulness of riches, and the cares of this world. The lust of the eye, the deceitfulness of riches, and the cares of this world entering in, choke the word. And so those are the weeds that come in. Man, I've already round up the de- My garden, it was growing little stuff out there that didn't look edible. So before I started planting, I wanted to kill the unedible stuff. I wanted to kill all the suckers, all the parasites, all the thieves. I want all the demons out of my soil. Could I get an amen? I want any demons in my garden. I want anything sucking life out of my tomatoes. I want my tomatoes, I want my big tomatoes, my beefsteak tomatoes to look like a beefsteak. Amen. I don't want my big tomatoes to look like cherry tomatoes, and I don't want my cherry tomatoes to look like blueberries. Amen. But there's things that will come in and suck the life out of your tomatoes. That's a whole other message, and we'll go back on this one. Yeah. Amen. So watch this. So there's six lessons. I'm going to give you three of them this morning, and we'll continue the other. But there's six lessons in these next few moments. I'll give you these three. In being blessed, broken, and given. What it mean to be blessed, broken, and given? Number one, we're to live off the increase of being blessed, broken, and given. Jesus was teaching his disciples that you can live off of the increase of being blessed, broken, and given. Amen? Listen to this quote. By, by, look at this quote by Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor, a great missionary to China, said this. He said, I used to ask God to help me. Then I asked if I might help him. I ended up by asking Him to do His work through me. Amen? And if you would, that really sums up what it means to be blessed, to be broken, and to be given. Lord, I just give my life to You. I allow you to define me, and I allow your increase to flow through my life to minister to the needs of others. Hudson Taylor established orphanages in China, an amazing, amazing work. If you've never read any of his life history, you should Google him and read a little bit about this amazing man of God. Amen? So look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. If you have your Bible, turn back over to Luke chapter 9 and look at these first two verses with me. Beginning verse 1, it says, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And verse 2, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I want you to think about that. He gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases, and then he sent them to heal the sick. What if we got a hold of that? Then we're not just called to pray for the sick. We're called to change that situation, to believe in that authority. So look at your outline here. Many times we can hear a truth proclaimed but miss walking in its fullness. That's an amazing truth right there that still applies to you and I. And so we can hear it, but it's a little harder to walk in its fullness. See, the disciples were God called, God anointed, And God appointed. Jesus called them to himself. He empowered them. And then he sent them. Amen? Think about it. The word called means blessed. And if I could just get you over this hurdle, it would change your life. If I could get you to believe that God has saved you, he's called you out of darkness and into light. And the fact that you've been called by God into his life and into his presence, you are the blessed of the Lord. You are blessed. And you don't have to try to get what you are. The greatest thing we do is we spend our lives futilely trying to receive what we already have. You are the blessed of the Lord. The moment you give, watch that, the moment you, the disciples gave the food to Jesus, it went from being theirs to being his. And it was no longer defined by its lack, it was defined by his immeasurable supply. It was defined by his abundance. How many know God has no lack? If we could just get... Psalms 24 and verse 1 down. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Woo! God is my shepherd. I have given my life to him. And the moment I gave my life to him, I became blessed. Because he takes what I give to him and he changes its identity. It is no longer my life. It is my life in him. And my life in him is supplied by the fullness of his house. Are you with me this morning? And when I believe that, then I'm not worried about how to protect what I have, how to get more of what I need. Then I can live by Matthew chapter six when Jesus says, take no thought for what you're gonna eat, where you're gonna live, or what you're gonna wear. The world is seeking after all of this, but your identity is not in what you wear. It's not in where you live. It's not in what you eat. Your identity is that you are the sons and the daughters of God and your heavenly father, knows that you have need of all these things. So seek first the kingdom of God. Let your life be defined by his purpose for your life. And all these things will be added unto you. Woo! I'll shout for you. (laughs) Amen. So look at what happens there. They're called, but just by being called, they're blessed. And then look at number two, they're empowered. They cannot come, our power, meaning that it cannot come from the arm of man. Acts chapter 4 and verse 30, they pray and said, Oh God, that by stretching forth your hand to heal, signs and wonders may be done by you stretching forth your hand to heal through our lives. Amen. And so God empowers us. Look at what he did. He calls his disciples and he gave them power and he gave them authority over all the power of devil to cast out devil to heal diseases. Are you with me? So they're empowered by God. And then thirdly, he sent. Meant that they're to be given. they're, they're, They're given to be the hand of God to the people. So you're God called. You're God empowered. And you're God sent. Could somebody say Amen. So look at this, Jesus called them to himself, gave them from himself, and sent them for himself, which is the threefold principle that I said of the gospel. You guys think I just make stuff up, but being called is evangelism, being empowered is discipleship, and being sent is ministry. And so God works in your life and in my life, and when he called them, he blessed them. And when he was discipling them, he was breaking them. He says, your purpose is not what you set for yourself. I didn't create you to set for your purpose. I'm trying to get you into the purpose that I created in your life. If any man, we are his workmanship, recreated in Christ, born anew, living out the life that he prearranged for us to live doing the works, accomplishing the things that he ordained for. And I've found out all these years that what God planned for my life is greater than anything I would have ever thought of. Could you say amen this morning? So watch it. So he sends them out. Jesus always acted and taught in ways that would take our eyes off of ourselves and place them on the purpose of God in our life, calling us to live beyond ourselves, putting others first. How many know the disciples were struggling? We read it. What they say, Lord, send them away. That's what we say. And so a need comes up before you. Well, somebody else should take care of that. Isn't there anybody else in the church that can do that? Can't we start a ministry to take care of that? I don't want to get into that. Can we send that away? Can I send that away? I'll just send that away, send that away. And pretty soon you sound like a country western song. Amen. You know, if you backmask a country western song and play it backwards, you get your house back, get your car back, get your dog back, and get your wife back. Amen. I don't even know why I said that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that's funny right there. I don't care who you are. <laughs> Amen. So, what's lesson number two? Lesson number two is this Jesus will always ask for all you have. Jesus will always ask for all you have. See, that's why we struggle with salvation. We want to give Jesus. Come on, getting saved doesn't mean coming to church once a week. Getting saved doesn't mean trying to figure out how to give God a little bit of your money. God doesn't ask for your money. Getting saved means Jesus is asking you, if you will get, if you can get this, to give your life to Christ. When we invite somebody, we ask you, have you ever given your life to Christ? And the reason we ask you to give your life to Christ is that if you give him your life, he gives you His life. How many know that is a good trade? A good trade. And people go, no, there's some things I like about my life. I like being broke. I like being depressed. I like being sick. I like being. I've gotten used to my worthless life. Why would I want to live in the increase of heaven? Why would I want to take out his abundant identity? Why would I live without fear? I like my fear. I talk about my fear. I sleep with my fear. I meditate on my fear. I love my fear. Moving right along. We need to get you to play your song backwards. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. So God, Jesus will always ask for all you have. His purpose is to show us that we will never, we will never have enough or be enough to fulfill God's purpose for our life. All that we have, all that we are, will never be enough to fulfill His purpose. You could, be, if Bill Gates got saved, if Warren Buffett paid his own taxes and got saved, some of you get that later. Anyway. If all these guys, with all the money that they had, if they got saved, God would ask them to do something. God's purpose for their life would be greater than the billions that they hold in their hand. Because if they do it out of their abundance of wealth, it's not God. It required no faith, and it did not require God. It came from the hand of man and not the hand of God. God will always ask you to do more than you have the resource to do. i preach him better then you're agreeing this morning. Hallelujah. So watch this. When we release what we have, he can turn not enough into more than enough. What happens? Turning not enough into more than enough is this. The ministry is the ground to turn not enough into more. Look at this. The Lord says, hey, what do you have? Well, we have these five loaves and these two fish. How many could say that's not enough? That's what the disciples said. We do not have enough. Jesus didn't ask if they had enough. He asked them what they had. Because hear me again. The moment he received it, it no longer took on his identity. Listen, you're talking to the living word. You're talking to God incarnate, in flesh. And he's going, hey, Remember the wilderness? I brought over 2 million people out. I fed them daily with the manna that came from heaven, and I didn't even have a seed to start with. He says, I can do better. You give me something to start with, we can do something. But he says, I I fed millions with nothing from the resource of heaven, the manna that came down from heaven. Your fathers ate the bread that came down from heaven. Are you with me? And so God, when He's trying to get you to agree with Him, the Lord is trying to get you after Resurrection Sunday, walking in Resurrection life, is believing that God wants you to live your life by being blessed. You've been received by God, and if you allow Him to redefine you through brokenness and defining your purpose by His, and then He will multiply you. He gives your life back to you, and you get to be given out to others and be spent for others. It's a glorious life. It's the greatest life you could ever live because. Out, says, I'll take what you have, and it will no longer be your lunch. It will be my supply. So he takes it. He mixes it with the abundance and the resource of heaven. His name is Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide. His name is Jehovah McKetty. He is the all-sufficient one. Amen. Who never runs out. Are you with me this morning? So think about it. The ministry is the ground. And the way they turn it, he said, you're going to give into the ministry. Give me what you have, and we're going to serve others first. The ministry is serving. And when you give in an offering here, when you're sowing, when you're giving, we're asking you to give to serve. And when you're sowing into serving, when you're sowing into ministry, God ordained that ministry would be ground that turns not enough into more than enough. Hallelujah. So what's the process? Look at the command as we said. Give them, you give them something to eat. The question was, what do you have? We just have this kid's lunch. The answer is not enough. And this is what too many say. See what we do, we like to look at our life. And we look at what we have, and we go into disqualification mode. God, I don't have any talents. We become Napoleon dynamite. I don't have any nunchuck skills. I don't, I don't have any skills. Hey Amen. We, 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 just, we just qualify. I can't sing. I can't play anything. I can't speak. I'm afraid to get up in front of people. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I don't have this. I don't have that. I can't do this. I can't do that. And the next thing you know, God didn't say, I didn't ask you what you could do. I asked you what you have give me what you have don't 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 disqualify just give me what you have and i will take what you have i will change its identity if any man be in christ he is a new creator, which means you have a brand new complete new identity you are now in christ you are not an individual you are in christ when god sees you he sees you in christ he doesn't see you alone he sees you in Christ. Amen. We're doing all right? Amen. I'm getting saved, so I hope you're enjoying the ride. Amen. Our lack is never a hindrance to God, only to us in our faith. Our lack is never a hindrance to God. Their lack wasn't bugging Jesus. Jesus didn't go, really? That's all you got? Out of all these people? I got 82 men and a bunch of women. That's all you guys brought? What were you expecting to eat? I got 82 of you on staff and we don't even have lunch for us? Are you with me? (laughs) Our lack is never a hindrance to God. Only to us in our faith see it's not the size of the church but the size of the God in the church see over the years people go oh, pastor how do you guys do what you do you're just a little church I said I don't care we have a big God I might be a little on the outside but bless God I'm big on the inside Amen. I'm wall to wall Holy Ghost amen hallelujah I had the fixer upper move in Amen. I've been remodeled from the inside out. Glory to God. Somebody ought to shout amen. Hallelujah. And I never got the call that there wasn't enough to pay for it. Praise the Lord. Some of you get that later anyway. What about us? See, our exodus and our purpose will not be determined by the amount of people we have attending our church. Rather, it will come from the faith in our hearts to live our lives by being blessed, broken, and given to others. See, people look at that. I I just felt God said, ask 100 people to believe to give $3,000 this year. I felt the Lord asked me to say that for Exodus. That 100 people would believe that God would use them to be able to give $3,000 above their tithes and offering. How about you? That's a no-brainer for me. I hear the word, Lord. I I, I was the first one to give. I'm all in, guys. I believe this with all my heart. Because I said, God, if you're asking me to do something, it's because you already know. We're going to read it next time we get on there. John chapter 6, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Can I tell you, the Lord already knows where our church is going to go. He already knows where we're supposed to be. He already knows what the supply is going to be. He already knows where it's coming from. He's just asking us, want to be a part of this? He knows what he's going to do. He gives us opportunity to be a part of it. And if I choose to be blessed, broken, and given, I get to see it come to pass. Watch it. Lesson number three as we get ready to close. Watch it. The instructions for not enough to become more than enough are this. Look what Jesus said set them down in order. Let me say this to you. You need to get your life in order. There's one reason we do the financial peace seminar, it's to help you get your money in order. Because if you don't know where your money's going, you probably don't know where your time is going. You don't know where much else is going in your life. And so you're scattered, you wondered why, everything. Else. You have to be a person of order. God is a God of order. When you go back, you read the, God says you do it this way, you do it on this day, you do it this way. God is a God of order. Heaven is not going to be a Pentecostal free for all. Heaven is a place of order. Are you with me? It, God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. It's against his nature. And so God said, this is what you set them down in order. You make them sit in groups of here and here and here. Well, I want to sit wherever. I don't want to sit with that group. Okay, we have a rock for you way over there. but We're not bringing anything there. Because we're only feeding the people who set down in order. And people who are in order are getting blessed, and people out of order are just complaining against God, and that's a whole other message. We're doing all right? Because if you don't have your money in order, you don't have your time in order, you probably don't have your life in order, and then you wonder why you're frustrated, probably going not have your, I better not say the next one, but I'll just keep going. Number two, so Jesus says, set him in order, then give me what you have. How many know this isn't about a lunch, it's about life? It's not about lunch, it's about life. This is a living parable. Jesus is showing his disciples, hear me again, he said, I'm with you and I'm going to have to leave you and when I leave you, you're going to have to make this thing work called the kingdom and called the church. You're going to have to make this work. So you're going to have to understand how the kingdom work. So I've talked to you in parable and I've taught you in saying now I'm going to give you a living illustration of how the kingdom work. If you will give me what you have, whatever you give me, I will receive. And the moment I receive it, it becomes blessed. And the moment I receive it, I I mix it with the provision of heaven, and it loses its identity. It is now mine. And now what I give you comes back multiplied to you out of my supply, and you will have more than enough to give out, and there will be more than enough left over. Hallelujah. Woo! All right, I'm back. Amen. The worship team comes back. Look at Jesus put back into their hands, that which they had given to him. Not enough has now become more than enough. Not enough has now become more than enough. I'm amazed that the not enough of my life God took, and He's caused increase. To flow out of my life. Are you with me? It's amazing what God will do. That means it's blessed. It's broken. Hear me. Without brokenness, there can be no multiplication. I want to serve God, but I want to do it my way. Eh, Wrong answer. You have to go through brokenness where he defines you by his purpose. He made the plan, not you and me. Are you with me? But his is so much better if we could just get it if you give your life to him you'll never have to play it backwards to get your stuff back amen and then give it he gives back in multiplied form so they could give it away it was in their hands you get this when God gave it back it was in their hands to give not to eat when was the last time God brought an increase into your life? And you asked, Lord, is this seed to sow or bread to eat? God put increase in your life to give you seed. Listen to what he said. I will supply seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So it means he gives you both. He gives you seed to sow and bread to eat. But if you're eating everything, you're going to get to the end of his multiplication in your life. Because he only multiplies the seeds you sow. He does not multiply the bread you eat. He multiplies the seed you sow. So Jesus gave it back to them. And he says, now before you eat, distribute and give it away. And if you'll give first, there will be more than enough left over. How many you know 12 baskets is way more than 5 loaves and 2 fish? But the leftovers came after it came back to them in multiplied form to be given and then there would be more than enough left over. Think about it. They ate as much as they wanted. Everybody ate as much as they wanted. They were all satisfied and filled. There was more than enough left over from their not enough to meet their need. How can this work for me in my exodus, you would ask. How does this work in my life? You have to release what you have. Don't hold on too tight to not enough. Tuesday night I shared this, and uh, the Lord told me to share it again this morning. But many times we get saved, and this is how we want to live. Lord of God, I'm born again, saved, clean, pressed, redeemed, washed by the blood, sealed in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, can we use you? No, glory to God, I'm saved, born again, washed by the blood, sealed by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Would you like to get involved? No, glory to God, I'm born again, saved, washed and sealed in the love of God. Well, could we spend you for His glory? No, glory to God, I'm born again, washed in the blood, sealed in the Holy Ghost and somebody else comes along and just said, Lord, I don't care. You can use me. I'll go out. Yep, glory to God, I thought about doing that one time and then I prayed. Hallelujah. Because I've seen people who go out and they get out there and next thing you know, they want to be used and people start walking on them. They start getting used by people. And then I've seen them come back to church. And they're up at the altar trying to get straightened out. See, many times we think people are at the altar getting resaved. Sometimes they're just getting over being around you.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And they, because they hang out with you and they look like this. Amen. But then they come back and they start to worship God. They get in the Word, they let the Word wash over them. The next thing they know, they go, all right. I'm ready to do it again. And besides that, Lord, I'll even let you break me and redefine me. How about you? No, glory to God, I'm saved. washed with the blood, filled with the... I'll be praying for you. Glory to God. Are you ready for this? Listen to this very closely. Would you like to go with me? Oh, I'm kind of just kind of tied up right now. All right. The value of a coin is not being held, polished, and preserved, but being spent. The value of money is in purchasing power, investment power. The true value is only released when it's used. See, if you take the if I gave this to you to go get in and out today, you walk up to the counter and you go. Here's my money. They'll say, could you take it out? No, no, no. It's saved. It's washed. And it's sealed. I just want to use it. Well, you'll have to take it out. No, 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 I can't. But I would like to use it to get a burger. And they'll go, no, you can't. You got to take it out. Well, I want to take it out. I just want the burger. I want to receive the blessing without opening my life to be spent. Only man places value on things that were created, on things that were never used, not God. Man collects things that are old and in mint condition. Things that have been preserved but never used. Not God. Man does. Only man seeks to preserve what was meant to be spent and used. God is looking for the worn and the torn and the tattered and the broken and the used. He's looking God's looking for these. This is what God's looking for. Listen, there's a parable in your Bible, Matthew 25 that Jesus came and He gave talents unto men. He gave talents unto them. And they went out and they invested it. And through the risk of investment, it multiplied. And then the guy who just got the one talent said here you go lord i've kept my life saved sealed sanctified and separated and hidden for you and surely because i've kept it in such pristine condition it's worth more than when you gave it to me the lord said i didn't give it to you to preserve it i gave it to you to use it up to spend it and to bring increase to it and you I came looking for this, not for this. Are you getting this this morning? But Lord, if I have to look like this, can I just be blessed without being broken and given? How many would know what the answer is? No. Amen. How many want to take this to in and out No. (laughs) Amen. Watch this. Stand with me this morning. Are you kidding this? Resurrect. We celebrated resurrection last week. What's the purpose of that resurrection? Look at this last picture. See, when I look at the cross, I remember that he what all that he gave for me. That he lived his life blessed, broken, and given for me. And I choose to live by the same pattern. How many know Jesus' life, at the end of his life, Jesus didn't look like this. How many know at the end of his life, Jesus looked like this. He says, I know that I've been received by my Father. I know that I'm blessed by God. And I've allowed my life to be defined for his by his purpose. And his purpose is to be not to be hidden away, but to be given for people. We did esteem him stricken and smitten. The chastisement of our peace And when this life hung upon the cross, it just said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. But when I look at my Savior, every time I see that picture, I see the man who was blessed, who chose to be broken, and who lived to be given for me. And I said, how can I do any less? Father, today I pray for your people. Maybe you're here today And there's one person in this room today and you came. And for whatever reason, you've had a hard time giving your life to Christ, completely giving your life to Christ so that He might completely give His life to you. Maybe whatever that is, you've held back. And you've had encounters with God, you've had experiences with God, but that giving your whole life, To allow your life to be blessed and received by Him. To allow Him to bring His brokenness over you and define it with His purpose. And then to multiply what you've given back to you. You've had that struggle. If that's you today, I want you to just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Is that anybody in this room this morning? Amen. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you in the back. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, God brings us to this place. This is, we're, we're following resurrection. Resurrection life brings us out of this place where we can trust him. We can give him our inadequacies. We can give him our five loaves and two fish life. And he's going to mix it with the abundance of heaven and give us his life back in multiplied form. Maybe you're here today in the Spirit of God. I want just about... Everybody bow your heads right here. Maybe right here today you're here and God's been challenging you and you've allowed your faith, you've allowed your Christianity to be like this $20 bill, shrink wrap, sucked up all the air, all the life sucked out of you. Glory to God. You look good on Sunday morning, but, but you're just living in that sanctified, saved, and preserved bubble of Christianity. But that's not God's will for your life. He's been pushing on you to get out. And like the disciples, you've been saying Lord just send them away let somebody else get involved in that let somebody else serve in the homeless let somebody else serve with the children last time I was there they pooped on me last time I was there they made a mess in the bathroom last time I was there they, oh God I, I don't want to do that I just want to stay in my little plastic bubble of my faith and I hang out there but God is not allowing you to be comfortable he's pressing you out this morning if that's you raise your hand up real high and say come on I'm going to let God cut the seal on my life today who is that this morning anybody else Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Glory to God. I'm going to ask them as they play. If you need to move towards God, if you're saying, God, I feel your call upon my life. I'm going to stir this thing up. Those of you that raise your hand in dedicating your life and saying yes to God, giving it all, I'm going to invite everybody to come right now. Just move right now to this altar. We're going to come back up to this place of worship just like you did during a moment ago. Move right up here. Come on, move right now in Jesus' name. You need to move towards God. You need to move and get Him back to being used by God. You need to move and saying yes to God with your whole life. Whatever it is, move towards Him right now in Jesus' name. We're going to pray with you and pray for you. Come on, let God move in your heart and in your life in Jesus' name.